Let's pray, hey, Father, we just thank you for your word. It's so good, so powerful. And Lord, it brings change to our life when we just let it grow. So Father, this morning I'm praying that your word would grow in our lives, Father God, that we might see and know you more in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Bob, got some sermon notes to hand out. <laughs> if you want these, these are the sermon notes for this week. Uh, Andrew, you can do some if you want. saw you looked pretty keen there. Yeah, yeah. And inside it, you'll see there's also a sheet of paper with questions that um, you might ponder on at your connect groups this week. So just to have a think about whether you do it at your connect group or just in your own time, just have a look through those questions and use them to, I guess, provoke some thought. Okay. So this week, um, I'm going to talk about, well, I, to- I entitled the message Cucumber and Corn or Corn and Cucumber. You can put that up, actually. Why? There we go, corn, corn and cute. Isn't that beautiful? That was An- Andrew did that. <laughs> well done. <laughs> These are not from my garden. They're, I don't even know they're from his. <laughs> not from Andrew's, there you go. But what I wanted to sort of talk about, and it's something we've talked about often and we'll probably talk about again because it's one of the most, I guess, uh, potent things of your Christian life, in fact, life in general, and... As we go further into the end of this year, I'm going to really be talking about leading in life, okay? Because often we're just led in life, we don't lead in life, and I don't believe that's how God wants it to be. So we either set the agenda for our life or we just let circumstances set it, we let situations set it, or we just set set it by our own neglect or lack. So anyway, I wanted to tell a story. I um, I love corn, and... uh, a few years ago, I, I remember I brought in two corns that I'd been growing for the same amount of time, and one was like up here, booming, green, beautiful. Another one was like about this tall. I mean, planted at the same time, but one had been neglected and one had been loved and cherished. Yes, they were both going to produce corn. Maybe one would produce really bad fruit, but the other one would produce good. Anyway, I thought, I love corn, so I need to plant some corn because I just want to get some more. So I look around the house, I find some seeds, and I grab them, I'm going, yep, okay, I'm just going to chuck these in the ground. And uh, put them in, start to water them, start to grow them. And so, as seeds do, if they're fertile, it started coming up. And I was looking at, wow, that's beautiful. And as it started to grow and, and tendrils started to form, I, I put it onto um, a, a nice, uh, what do you call those things to hold plants up? Trellis, there you go. Trellis to keep it all good. And then flowers came and... I could see fruit begin to form and, and all these really long green things began to grow and all of a sudden they were ripe. And I took it off and I was like, this is just disgusting. I've got this ripe fruit, I hate it. Because what I'd done is planted the wrong seed and I've got a cucumber. <laughs> now that's pretty dopey and it's not true. I didn't really do that, guys. <laughs> Maybe, no, you have to pretend, no. But, but the point is that Sometimes we're really surprised with what we harvest, but we really shouldn't be surprised at all. Because we plant the seeds that produce the harvest many times. Okay, there's, there's two ways seeds get in that we're going to look at. But we, we often stand in wonder and awe, why is my life how it is? Why is it that I'm going the way I'm going? Yet we've never really stopped to think, what am I planting in my life? And so what we're doing is we're picking this, this crop 
and we're going, I don't like this crop at all. It's not what I envisaged. It's not how I thought life would go. And we get all down on ourselves and down on life and blame people and blame God and blame ourselves and blame circumstances, whatever it might be, because our life is not how we thought it would be. We're harvesting cucumbers when we really thought that corn was what we're after. In Galatians, it says this. In the Bible, it, it says, Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. And those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So what's that mean to us? God is laying down a foundation. Now you'll see it all throughout the Bible. and It's interesting that Mitch used that sort of agricultural type of uh, message today as well. But Jesus often likens the kingdom of God to a field, to plants, the seeds and the growth and things like that because what he's saying is that the kingdom of God is not established in one day in your life just as Rome wasn't built in a day so too if you are trying to build the kingdom of God in your life it's not going to happen overnight there's a process that takes place because our life is full of different types of seeds but what God's saying is first and above all this is the seed you need to plant the seeds you need to plant in your life are those that are planted in a way that pleases the Spirit of God. Now, why do, we, why do I put that first? Because actually today I'm going to be talking a lot about, I guess, practically speaking, what is it that as we sow, we reap in our life, which won't really be spiritual. But you see, things that please the Spirit are not always spiritual. So you might be uh, a mother or father and, and you've got kids at home and you're out seven nights of the week doing the kingdom of God, you're praying, you're visiting people, you're, you're doing things for the sick and your kids are at home neglected and they despise you and they despise God. So we could make this assumption that just because I'm doing the spiritual thing that I'm pleasing the spirit. Let me tell you right now that is not the case. Neither is it the case that we devote ourselves only to family and never leave them, but we're just always pouring into them and we love our family so much, it's us, our family, and never the rest of the world. Now, God obviously wants us to look after our family. God wants us to, to do our best, to grow our kids in the ways of the Lord, but he doesn't want us to neglect the other things. And so how do I know how to please the Spirit? Pleasing the Spirit is obedience not just to the Word of God, but it's also obedience to when he wants you to do things. So we often think about life like, you know, well, all things under God, God's above everything, which he is, and then it's like divided into little groups, and, but really what happens is that God is, he really is above all. Whatever part of my life is, God has to be above it all at the same time. So those who walk in the Spirit, that, that live to please the Spirit of God, are always seeking, what do you want me to do? What is it now? What's the next step for me? And, and this is the, the joy and beauty of it, that we are not relying on fluke. We're not rely, relying on luck, but we are relying on ourselves sowing into the Spirit. 
What is it that you want me to do, God? Am I sensitive to your word? Because one week he might say, you need to spend time with your family and so into that. And the next week he might say, you need to talk to your family and say, this two weeks I'm away because I've got to do something for God. The Spirit has led me away. And that is exactly how Jesus operated, isn't it? After he was baptized, the the Bible says that the Spirit of God led him into the wilderness, into that place where he was now alone with God. But then there was a time when he came back. And Jesus said, I only do what the Father tells me to do. And so that's why it's so important, first of all. I say this because as I start to talk about things in our life, I don't want it to be ever that we go, yeah, that's it. Just this sowing into my life is what counts. Because there is a time to plant and there's a time to harvest. And it's not always the same season. The wheat season is different from the grape season. And so we need to understand that there are times for these things and sow into the right areas. So be mindful. Whatever it is, whatever I talk about today, so I might talk about family, I might talk about church, I might talk about whatever it is, When I talk about it, put it into context. Everything, first of all, has to be done to please the Spirit and not yourself. That's the context we're looking in overall. If we don't have that, then we start to just go on the the natural way of doing things, relying on me doing things. So what would you like to eat? Really, that verse that that we just read out really talks about our choice the choice there is is actually two things one is if we sow to our flesh in other words just what I want my sinful nature will harvest two things decay and death now that doesn't sound like a really awesome fruit to me it sounds like something I want to keep away from but then it says if I'm going to sow and live my life sow into the spirit then from that spirit I'm going to reap everlasting life you see how devastating the consequence is if you choose the wrong seed that's pretty devastating isn't it on one hand you've got death and decay you're looking after your own interests your own self you're following after my sinful nature to do the things I want to do and the other one you're starting to live to please the spirit of God there is night day, light, dark, up, down, whatever you want to do in that passage there, isn't there? So think about it carefully. If you want to choose today who you're going to serve, make sure you make the right choice. And there's basically two types of seeds that are in your life. Number one is the seeds that are sown. Now these are are sown by you, which is what we want to do as a farmer, that, that we want to look after our life that we are grabbing the right type of seed to sow into our life. They're sown by the enemy. There's a parable that Jesus told about um, a farmer planting a beautiful seed and and in the night time the enemy came in and planted his seed amongst them. Things that weren't what the farmer wanted. And they grew as well. So that can happen. People in your life will sow into you. They will sow seeds Think about it. The words that they speak to you, they're sown into your life. Young people that have been told they're nothing. Like I remember speaking to a group of teenagers and I said, okay, guys, if I give you this word, teenager, what do you think? Oh, yeah, rebellious. Oh, yeah, um, wild. Oh, yeah, partying, disobedient, this, that and the other. 
Where does that come from? It's because they are taught that is sown into their life. This is a teenager. Teenagers are all these things. And I said, that is such a lie. You're allowing seeds to get into your life that are not the truth. Because the Word of God doesn't say that about teenagers. And when I look at teenagers, what do I see? I see potential, I see life, I see excitement. I see people that are, that are still in this place of making decisions in their life that if they take that right decision, it's going to lead to a great life. If they take the wrong one, it won't. But the thing is that seeds are sown in your heart and in your life that, that aren't from you. They're from the enemy, so it might be whatever. And then there's the seeds that are blown in. So you've got the sown in and blown in. What do I mean by that? That's just things that happen in your life, you know, like every field has weeds grow. They're not planted by the farmer, they're not planted by anyone else, but circumstance blows them in. So what will happen is that you'll go through a circumstance and the seed comes in. Maybe you've gone through a breakup in a relationship and it's like, well, maybe I'm not worth something. The seed gets blown into your life. Maybe, you know because of this situation that I'm not really worth anything to God and the seeds get blown into life and they begin to grow and we need to know the difference. And this is a truthful saying that every seed will produce after its own kind. That was the start of Genesis when the plants were made and the animals were created. God said, let everything produce after its own kind. That is what happens. So the type of seed that you decide that you are going to plant into your life is really, really important. Because if you are sowing in seeds of doubt, you will receive a crop of failure. If you sow seeds of success in God, remember that thing, overarching it all, you are going to reap success. What are you allowing to lie in your field and be planted in your heart? And what are those seeds? There's three that I'm going to identify here. Our thoughts, our words, and our deeds. All three are potential seeds in our life. Now, I just want to read um, a verse here about a farmer. Now, this verse is found in Isaiah. In the Old Testament, he's a prophet. And this is actually really talking about God going to do something bad to Israel because they're not listening to him, okay? But he's saying, you know what? There has to come a time. There has to come a time. Okay, listen to me. Listen and pay attention. Does the farmer always plough and never sow? Is he forever cultivating the soil and never planting? Does he not finally plant his seeds? Black cumin, cumin, wheat, barley and emma wheat, each in its own proper way and each in its own proper place. The farmer knows just what to do, for God has given him understanding. A heavy sledge is never used to thresh black cumin, cumin, whatever. Rather, it is beaten with a light stick. A threshing wheel is never rolled on cumin. Instead, it is beaten lightly with a flail. Grain for bread is easily crushed, so he doesn't keep on pounding it. He threshes it under the wheels of a cart, but he doesn't pulverize it. The Lord of Heaven's armies is a wonderful teacher and he gives the farmer great wisdom. Now when you look at that verse, 
and don't really think about it, it doesn't really do much for you, right? It's just about farmer planting seeds. But when you begin to understand that this is talking about a time of action. And with us, I don't know about you, but there's so many times we have these great intentions, but we never actually carry it out. So it's like, you know, I've got to do this for my wife or husband or my friend or, you know, I'd love to serve in the church this way. We've got all these intentions, but the seed never gets to the ground. So when I read this verse, I was going, how does this speak about thoughts, words and deeds? Listen, our thoughts, the first place where we have to look at for the seeds is like the farmer who's ploughing. Those thoughts are in our hearts and in our minds. And what it's saying is stop just thinking about it. This is not the way you actually get a crop. By continually ploughing, you know, I'm going to think about it. I'm going to think about doing this. I'm going to think about how I should act, how I should do this, how I should do that, what seeds I should sow. I'm just going to keep thinking and drive my tractor, summer, winter, and all of a sudden I've got no crop. I've just been thinking all the time. The second time was the word. So here it's talking about how the farmer's really wise with the seed that he's got. He's saying that you don't smash the seed to pieces. You don't pulverize it. Why? Why is it we don't pulverize seed? Now we do to make bread, and that's what he's saying. You know, you can make bread out of it. But what he's saying is if you pulverize a seed, it cannot grow. So God talks about how he gives seed to the sower and also for bread. There's two things that seed's meant to do in your life. One is that you're meant to sow it into other people's lives. Two, you're meant to eat from it. So in other words, you're meant to partake also of this goodness of God, but you're not just meant to eat it, you're meant to plant it so you can get another crop. So if you are pulverizing the seed, what's that? That's like a man or a woman who talks about it incessantly. The other thoughts, the seeds are there, but then they start to talk about it. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go down there and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to do this and yep, I'm going to look after this and, and 10 years later, what's happening? They're still talking about it. They never did it. They're that person that incessantly talks about what they're going to do, but they never actually plant the seed into the ground. They've pulverized it. And when you talk to them, you don't even believe them. You ever met anyone like that? Yeah, I'm going to clean my room. Yeah, I'm going to clean it. (laughs) When? Ah, tomorrow. It's always tomorrow. The day when I'm planting. And that's what he's saying here, that the farmer is wise. And he knows what to do. And you have to plant it in the ground. Our good intentions never produce anything. Have you noticed that? They might make us feel justified or happy because I intended to do it. But in reality, if you do not change, but you've got all the intention into the world to change, you have not changed and your good intention is a load of rubbish. We all do it, right? Come on. I've got good intentions that I don't carry out. And you know what I find? They never produce anything by good intentions, except for maybe frustration. And so when do you say, when do you start putting into your life, this is the next thing to think about. When am I going to do it? Well, 
we've got a few problems, right, in, in saying these things. Ecclesiastes 11 talks about farmers like that who are waiting for the perfect time. I'm just going to wait for the perfect time. Oh, wait a minute, I saw a cloud I shouldn't harvest. Oh, I saw maybe it's not quite warm enough to put the seed in. Nothing's just quite right. We know what the right seed is to plant, but we don't do it. When, when are you going to get around to it? When am I going to get around to praying? When am I going to get around to reading God's word? When am I going to get around to visiting my friend? When am I going to get around to loving my wife? When am I going to get around to it? Remember those old things around to it? Someone sold them, made an awesome lot of money. A round circle with now. Now you've got a round to it. <laughs> Anyone get? No, no one knows them. Okay. <laughs> anyway, moving on. <laughs> the best time to sow is not when you're hungry. The best time to sow the seeds is before you need to eat. Okay? So think about this in terms of life, with, with your life. Many of us have jobs that we've had to study for. Were you a teacher before you studied? No, you weren't. You might have had a gift, but you had to go through a certain process so you could get out. Here's my bit of paper. Let me out your kids, you crazy parents. But so many things in our life, we do not start putting it into the ground until we run into trouble, right? But I want a good marriage. When are you going to start saying into it before you're married? I want, to, I want to learn how to bring my kids up in the way of God. When are you going to do it? Well, good times before you have kids, right? What it's really saying is you need to start right now and sow that word of God in your life in any area. When do I need to know God's word on health before I'm sick? When do I need to know God's word on finances before I'm broke? You get it? When do I need to train for the marathon on the day that they fire the starter's gun? It's probably a little late. <laughs> I'm going in the Olympics tomorrow. I haven't run yet, but you saying Bolt, watch out. I'm, I'm on your tail, buddy. Probably be about 20 metres down the track and <laughs> he's done the victory lap already. But can you see how it is that so often we don't really think about our future? What am I sowing into my future? You sit here right now and you're thinking, these are the things I'd love, but unless you get that seed in the ground, unless you start getting that Word of God flowing in that area, growing in the Word of God, and that's what a lot of Christians do, isn't it? It's like they, they sow out of reaction. It's like, oh, I'm in a big mess. What do I do, God? Maybe I'll ring the preacher, have a look through the Bible, find two or three verses. It's not established. What you're doing is trying to eat a fruit that should be in the ground trying to eat the seed that should actually be in the ground and have grown into a plant, into a beautiful tree. Now, I understand that we do sometimes have to sow when it's already happening because we just haven't had a clue or something's happening in our life and we need to get into it. But the Word of God is where you need to go to get your answers. And the best time to start reading the Word of God is before you get to the situation. That's what Jesus was talking about when he was talking about the wise man and the foolish man. The wise man built his house upon the rock and the foolish man built his house upon the sand. They both went through a storm, and it's not going to stop the storms of life. Being prepared is not going to stop the storms of life, but the difference is when the storm has passed, if you have done the word of God, your house will still be standing, and if you haven't, gone. You'll be trashed. 
You'll be rubble on the ground. You'll be in a big heap. And so with the seeds of our life, that's what God is saying we need to do. Start planting and sow into the Spirit. Stop playing games with yourself and intending to do something with God. Because it's never going to give you the strength you need when calamity comes. We need to understand the seed principle. And that's what I'm saying. What are the seeds you're sowing? Because whatever you're sowing, that's what you're going to harvest. Do you need a job? Get an education. Don't wait for it to happen if you want to be in the music team. Don't just wait for God to point you out one day with a big spotlight in the crowd and saying, you, you're on guitar and you've never picked one up and started playing it ever. (laughs) It's probably not going to work. If you want to be a leader, start reading leadership books now and start practicing it in your life, knowing that if you get those good godly principles in your life, you can start to lead without it being a push to be a leader. If you want to start serving, start serving today. It's like get your heart ready. Get your life ready. Start leading your life instead of being led by life. Put the seeds in. Now what stops us doing it? What stops us getting it? Proverbs says this, those too lazy to plough in the right season will never, sorry, will have no food at the harvest. That's actually pretty clear, isn't it? (laughs) If you're lazy, you're not going to eat. That's one of the problems. We're just plain old lazy. Parents won't discipline their kids because they're too busy doing spiritual stuff and it's just too hard and they might cry and, and, oh, I can't hurt them. You want to reap peaceable fruits of righteousness, the Bible says, make sure you discipline your kids because God does it to you through his word. He disciplines you, shows you where you're going wrong. Have you ever done that? If you look, if you're struggling with how you are, open the Bible, look in the mirror, and just start reading. It starts to deal with your selfishness. It starts to deal with all these sorts of things in your life, just as you read it. It's not somebody coming up. It's not the Spirit coming down. It's the Spirit in the Word of God coming up, and you read it, and it's like, wow, I didn't realize I'm so selfish. I shouldn't have acted like that wow, I can't believe that's the way I've been living and it's just pruning you. And then the promises come and if you do this, you'll have life and and I think you're amazing and I'm always thinking about you. I'm God, but it says that all the thoughts I have for you, he says they're like sands, grains of sand on the seashore. And not only that, it says I'm thinking good thoughts of you. And so you're reading this Bible and you're going, wow, God thinks good of me. But you know what? I still need to change. I need to be like him because... I get inspired because he just believes in me and I start to live for him. That's one reason we're just lazy. Just That's plain and simple. And the other thing is selfishness, which sort of goes along with the laziness at times. But it's like, you know what? It's all about me. Because we do need to sow into other people's lives. We need positive sowing, not bad sowing. I should say that, I'll just clarify it. Don't say bad stuff. Thinking about Proverbs, it says, you know, harsh harsh words stir up anger, but a gentle answer turns away wrath. If I want to sow anger in, 
then that's exactly what I'm going to get back. Don't be surprised. If I'm just going to fly off all the time at people and be hot-tempered, don't be surprised if you get a reaction back because the seeds you sow are the seeds that grow. Don't be surprised, but it talks about love and, and putting in those things, the seeds. What are they? What are you putting into your family? What are you putting into other people that are your friends in your relationships, husbands and wives? What are you speaking of? Am I speaking negatively of them all the time? And then they act exactly what I say. Come on. Start being a farmer who is wise, that knows the season, that looks and says, I need to sow into this now. I need to love and treasure my wife so she grows into the woman that she's meant to be. I need to honour and love my husband so he grows into the man that he's meant to be. The seeds you sow are the seeds that grow. It's not rocket science. It's farm science. <laughs> Rana thinks that's funny. <laughs> but it's true. Next, don't be a scab. So that's an Australian term that means really stingy. In 1 Corinthians 9 it says, Remember that a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. The one who plants generously will get a generous crop. It's the old saying, you get out of life what you put into it. Listen, guys, you can never have enough of God's seed in your life. Let that be sown into your life, but also sow generously into other people. Put it out there. Proverbs 11 says the same thing. There is one who scatters yet increases more, and there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. The people will curse him who withholds grain, but blessing will be to the hand of him who sells it. Interesting verse about the selling too, but we're not in that today. But be generous with your life. Don't be stingy. If you're going to reap what you sow, sow into others. Well, I need friends, sow into friendships. What is it that you need? This is what I need. Sow into it. And it might not be coming back to you straight away because it takes time for a crop to come. But you keep sowing into those friendships and you'll have some amazing friends come down the road. Last two points. God gives the growth. We can control what we're sowing, except for the weeds. But we can reject them, right? Because we are able to take thoughts captive in the Word of God. So when the thought comes in, what lens are we looking at it? Well, does the Word say that? Oh, you're useless. Yep, I'm sure Jesus said that somewhere about me. I'm useless. No, I can't find it anywhere in the Bible. In fact, it says that I'm more than a conqueror through Christ. Wow. And he says, he's made me precious. <laughs> Go through that filter. Reject. That's it. It ain't coming in my life. I'm getting rid of that. We can control those things to an extent. We can control our heart by making it soft to receive the Word of God, right? But what we can't do is control the weather. And, and God talks about that. The farm will plant it and he goes to sleep and wakes up day or night. doesn't know how it happens, but the seed grows. We have to trust the Holy Spirit will grow things in our life beyond what we think that they can be grown and trusting God. 
Paul talks about this in terms when there was a bit of a friction between him and Apollos, another apostle. You read about them in Acts. And Paul wrote a lot of the letters. And he's writing here, in this case, to Corinthians. And he says, I planted the seeds in your hearts. Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. <laughs> that, that's a good thing about the word of God. It's not human in how it grows. It's like we plant it. Um, and Paul said, yes, it has to be planted. It has to be watered. Someone has to come and keep watering, discipling people. That's, that's a job that we've got to do. Are you pouring your life in that area? But it's God who gives the increase. It's the Holy Spirit who works in your life to let the change come. And we have to trust him to let it grow in our life. But do you know what seed doesn't grow? The seed that isn't planted. And he says if you love it, if you plant those seeds of peace, you'll reap a harvest of love. The seeds that don't grow are the ones you never plant. And so it's very intentional with your life to make sure that you put that in there because God can't grow what hasn't been sown, same thing. What's he going to do with nothing? God, can you make this rock grow? Still there, three weeks later, that rock's still there, not growing, what's going on? Put it in the ground, come on, let's do it. Let's make a decision today to change ourselves from thinking about things all the time. I, I should follow God. I should do this. I should do that. I should whatever. And then start talking about it. Now, we do have to talk because death and life in the power of the tongue. They that love it will eat the fruit. But at some stage, can you stop grinding the grain and put this thing in the ground in your heart to grow? So into someone else's life. Oh, you know, I should have visited that person. I just, oh, you know, we should get together for dinner sometime. Five years later, I've done this, don't worry about it. We should get to dinner for some time, yeah, seven years later. Oh, you're leaving town, we should have dinner. <laughs> you know what I mean? They are good intentions. But let's be careful not to grind that grain so much so that when you go, oh, we should get together, they're going, whatever. It's not going to happen. But starting to look at what we are actually doing with our lives. Okay. Now I just want to talk to you about Jesus being the ultimate seed. Because if we think of him, this is what he's saying to us. He's talking about when he's about to go to the cross. Now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into glory. But I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted, did you hear that? Unless a kernel of wheat is planted, okay, in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Now, Jesus is our example, right? And for those who may not have received Christ as a saviour yet, what he's saying here is that he was going to go to the cross and die for you. And because of that action... That death, he's talking about it like a seed, that he would die, but out of that death would come all these new lives, and you're sitting here today as a testament to that. The death, if you're a Christian, the death of Jesus on the cross produced life in so many millions of people, millions, billions of people, actually, that have believed him and followed him. And he's asking us to do a little bit the same. Unless you die to yourself, 
you'll never see the life that Jesus promised. In fact, Jesus actually said that when he was walking around. He said, unless you die, you won't live. Die to self, die to your own desires, your selfishness, my wanting to live for me. If you start to put the kingdom of God first in your life, it says you'll have everything you need. Everything. Only if you put him first. And so we need to sort out in our life what, what it is that that we're doing. Are we putting him first? Are we saying, God, I want that. I want to live this life that pleases the Spirit. And if you're not a Christian today, you can become one if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for you on that cross and he rose again for your sin. That's the gospel message. He died to give us life and all you have to do is ask him into your heart today. 